Turn with me tonight in your Bible to the book of Jonah. If you find Matthew and work your way back in the Old Testament, you'll eventually come to the book of Jonah. And we're going to read in Jonah chapter 1, verse 17, right through to Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. Trust you'll follow with me as we read the Bible. Let's hear the word of the Lord. Jonah chapter 1, verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord. And he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. For thou hast cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas. And the floods compassed me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight. Yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about even to the soul. The depths closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottom of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came in unto thee into thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. And we'll end the reading there at verse 2, and we pray God will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. My text tonight is taken from Jonah chapter 2, verses 1 to 8. And my theme this evening is the restoration of a backslidden man. Now the book of Jonah is filled with practical lessons and spiritual instruction in the Christian life. The book commences with Jonah's call to preach and witness to the word of God. And here's a picture of the task of every true, genuine, born-again believer. Remember the Lord Jesus said, ye are my witnesses. And down here on earth, God has no mouth, no hands, no feet but ours. And God Almighty has ordained such means so that we can serve him and witness to his name. And this very fact, of course, is incorporated into the very act of salvation itself. Listen to what Paul says in Romans, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, 
with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. God called Jonah to go to Nineveh. It was the place where he was to serve the Lord. And I believe that all believers have been instructed by the Lord to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Every believer is sent of God to a particular place, an ordained place, an appointed place where he or she can live and serve the Lord. Now, not everybody is called to full-time service, but listen, we're all called to serve the Lord full-time. And the Lord has a place for everyone who is born again of the Holy Spirit and washed in the blood of Christ to occupy and fulfill. It was the Lord Jesus told his followers on earth, occupy till I come. And those words apply to the church in general and to every believer in particular. This call was given to Jonah because of the wickedness of Nineveh. Now, I believe that Nineveh is a picture of the world. A city full of gross wickedness, a city full of fearful sin and evil deeds. A cruel, cursed, condemned place. Lawlessness was the order of the day. The marks and footprints of the devil could be seen in every street and in every home. It was First John 5 and 19 that said, The whole world lieth in the lap of wickedness. Here's the chief reason why men ought to witness. Natural man is in rebellion to God. He is without hope. He's without God. He's without Christ in this world. And only Jesus Christ can save you. And that's why God's people are called to preach the gospel. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's no other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. And Jonah, instead of obeying the Lord's call to go to Nineveh and preach the gospel, well, he fled to Joppa. He took the boat to Tarsus, which is in northern Spain. And you picture the boat as it's sailing into the Mediterranean Sea. It encountered a great storm. A storm out of which the boat could not escape. A storm that the sailors had never experienced before in their life. Eventually, Jonah came up from the lower decks of the ship, confessed to the sailors that he was the reason why God had sent the storm. And upon his own request, he was cast overboard. And as soon as Jonah was cast overboard, the storm ceased. As soon as Jonah's bodies began to sink beneath the waves... We're told the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And for three days and three nights, Jonah was in the belly of that great fish. Now, I have no doubt that this was a a unique event. An event so rare, it's only one of a kind recorded in the Bible. Yet this event in Jonah's life was real. This, I believe, was a literal historical event, an event that was a sign, an event that was linked to the death and the burial and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And the miracle was not only that God commanded the whale to swallow Jonah, but that Jonah was kept alive in the belly of the whale during that horrible ordeal. Many concentrate about what was going on in the inside of the whale. 
And it's good to consider that. But I want to tell you there's a greater miracle. What was going on in the heart and mind of Jonah? See, Jonah knew why he was in the whale's belly. I have no doubt that a great sense of despair gripped him. I have no doubt that he was in distress that seized a hold upon his soul. What could he do? No escape from this dark prison house. Now, our text records for us what he did do. Look at chapter 2, verse 1. What does it say? Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. In his affliction, he cried unto God for mercy. From the whale's belly, he had access to God. And chapter 2, verses 1 to 9, records Jonah's prayer from the whale's belly. It's all about the restoration of a backslidden man. And that's what we're going to think about for the next 20 minutes. Let me suggest to you that Jonah was a real man. Look at our text as it starts. Jonah 2, verse 1, then Jonah. Now we'll pause there. Who was Jonah? When did he live? Where did he minister? Now that's important. And those questions, I believe, demand answers. And there's answers in the Bible. I, I turn you to 2 Kings chapter 14, verse 25. Listen to what we read there. He restored the coast of Israel from the entering of Hamath unto the sea of the plain, according to the word of the Lord God of Israel, which he spake by the hand of his servant, Jonah the son of Amittai the prophet, which was of Gath Hefer. And we read in Jonah chapter 1, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh. You see, in 2 Kings chapter 14, verse 25, we're told where Jonah lived. He lived in a little village called Gath Hefer, a very insignificant place, an out-of-the-way place, a backward place. It's about four miles north of the town of Nazareth in the province of Galilee where the Lord Jesus uh, lived for a time. The text also tells us when Jonah ministered. It was during the reign of Jeroboam II, one of the kings of northern Israel. It was the time of the divided kingdom. That places Jonah in the timeline between 790 BC and 750 BC. In other words, he lived at the same time as Amos. He was friends with Obadiah. <clears throat> he knew about Joel and Hosea. He knew about the prophet Isaiah. They were all preachers of the word of God, all prophets of the Lord. You see, Jonah was a real man, a real historical figure, and one who lived out his life in real time. Now, I want you to turn another passage of scripture, this time to Matthew chapter 12. Now, I want you to underline this in your Bible. Listen to the words of Matthew 12. In verse 39, But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. Matthew 12, 29. And there shall be no sign be given to it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonas. 
And behold, a greater than Jonas is here. Now, you see, according to Matthew chapter 12, verses 39 to 40, 41, we discover that the Lord Jesus believed in the prophet Jonas. He believed that Jonah was swallowed by a whale. He tells us that Jonah spent three days and three nights in the whale's belly. Of course, that coincides with Jonah's chapter 1, verse 17. The Lord Jesus told his listeners that Jonah was a saint. He talked about the preaching of Jonas in Nineveh, said the Ninevites repented. He tells us that a greater than Jonas is here. You see, Jonah is one of the books of the Bible that's denied and held up for mockery and ridicule by liberals and modernists of today. They tell us that Jonah's not a real historical figure. That, 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 that this isn't something that happened historically. Jonah, of course, is one of the four books of the Bible that's greatly attacked, along with Genesis and Deuteronomy and Daniel. They tell us that Jonah isn't true. It's not literal. It's an allegory. It's myth. It's, it's the stuff of legend. I want to tell you tonight, as the minister of this church, I believe the Bible. I believe every word of God is pure. And if Jonah's not real, listen to me. You young people in university, you'll be told that. If Jonah's not real, then the Lord Jesus is a liar. Or else he's a lunatic. It, it, it has to be one or the other. The Lord Jesus fully records exactly what happened in the place of Jonah. And he gives us a summary of the life of Jonah. He mentions Jonah. He mentions the wheel. He mentions three days and three nights in the wheel's belly. He mentions Nineveh. He mentions the Ninevites repenting at the preaching of Jonas. You see, to deny Jonah is to deny the gospel. To deny Jonah as a sign is to deny Christ in his death and his burial and in his resurrection. And those that are orthodox and conservative, those that are reformed and faithful to the doctrine of the inspiration of the Holy Scriptures, they believe that Jonah is a real man. And I say to you young people tonight, when you're in university and your professor tells you and mocks the prophecy of Jonah, then you'll be able to tell them. But I know who he was and where he lived and when he ministered and what happened to him. And this is what the Lord Jesus said. See, let's learn to compare Scripture with Scripture. The second thing I want you to see from this text, Jonah is a redeemed man. Look with me at Jonah chapter 2, verse 4. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. Come to verse 7. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee, into thy holy temple. Now, the word again means a repetition of an act. Yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. He has looked before. You see, the text gives us clear teaching that Jonah is a saved man, one who is redeemed by blood, an Old Testament believer. I will look again. But when he uttered these words, he was in the place of disobedience. He was experiencing distress and divine chastisement, yet he remembered how he was saved. Remember, he, he gave his testimony to the sailors on the ship, even though he was backslidden. 
And here he is now, one who has wandered far away from God, who's turned his back on God's will, God's word, and the witness of the Lord. What did he tell the sailors? If you look at chapter 1, verse 9, he says, I'm in Hebrew. That means I'm a child of the Lord. I'm a child of the covenant. And I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. She's in the Bible tell us in Proverbs 14, verse 27, the fear of the Lord is the fountain of life. Jonah lived in awe of God. He lived in the dread of offending him. The Bible tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. He's testifying here that the God of heaven which hath made the sea and the dry land. He's recalling how he became a believer. And he tells us, I will look again. He's looking to God's temple. There's two references to the holy temple here. Verses 4 and verse 7. Do you see that? And when he thinks about the holy temple, he thinks in the Lord. That's the place where God put his name. He remembers that the Lord is a God full of Loving kindness and tender mercy. He's a God of covenant faithfulness. He's the God who's slow to anger and plenteous redemption. A God of compassion. He remembers that in the temple, there's a place of free and open access to the Lord. A place where the sinner can approach God on the ground of the shed blood. He's thinking of the heavenly mercy seat. And what I want to tell you tonight, everything associated with the temple is representative of the Lord Jesus Christ and his person and work. When he says, I will look again, he's really looking by faith to the Lord Jesus Christ and his finished work. You see, the temple was the place where God dwelt. God was in it. The Shekinah glory was there. Now think of Christ, God with us. In him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Remember, he's the God man. Never forget that. Not just a good man and a gracious man and a great man, but the God man. The temple was the place of sacrifice. And it was only by means of the shed blood could an individual approach unto God and be accepted by God and his sins forgiven. Under the Old Testament economy, the Old Testament was full of types and shadows. And the blood of no natural lamb, the blood of no oxen could take away sin, could only act as a covering until the shadow gave way to substance, till the type gave way to the antitype. You see, it was Isaiah the prophet who was a friend of Jonah's. He preached in Isaiah 45 and 22, Look unto me and be ye saved. Look in faith unto me. Look in faith unto the bleeding lamb. And it doesn't matter tonight whether he preached in the Old Testament or the New Testament. Remember, there's only one gospel. There's only one means whereby you can repent of your sin and be acceptable to God. Looking to the Lord by faith upon the ground of the shed blood is the only way to be saved. Abraham, the friend of God, the father of the faithful, it was the Lord Jesus spoke about him. The Lord Jesus said in John 8 58, Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. See, God gave to Abraham the faith to look to his day when Christ would come. In the book of Genesis, Abraham said God will provide himself a lamb. 
And, and Abraham, like Jonah, looked to the bleeding lamb and was saved. And tonight I want to say, if you want to be saved, you must do the same thing. You must come the same way. You must look by faith to the bleeding lamb. Many stumble at simplicity. The hymn writer said, there's life for a look at the crucified one. There's life at this moment for thee. Look to Jesus Christ. Look in faith to him, not to the church. It's not the free Presbyterian church that saves. Don't look to your own good works because your own righteousness are as filthy rags. Don't look to the rites and ceremonies of the church. And, but I was baptized at a certain date. And uh, remember, I, I, I took Holy Communion or, or, or I was confirmed. Don't even look at your own lifestyle. Look away in faith. Look unto me. Jonah said, I will look again. You see, he had already looked in the past. It was not the first time with the eye of faith. He fixed that eye of faith on the temple. And that temple represented Christ and his person and work. See, remember, Jonah was a saved man. He was redeemed by blood. He had a testimony. What about you? Young Charles Haddon Spurgeon was 16. He was sitting in a church service and the preacher preached, look unto me and be ye saved. And he said, young man, you look miserable. Look unto me and be ye saved. And as a young lad of 16, young Spurgeon gave his heart and life to Jesus Christ. And he became one of the greatest preachers that the English-speaking world has ever known, one of the great Baptist preachers of the day. Remember John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. The word behold means to look in faith. Jonah was a redeemed man. Very quickly, Jonah was a runaway man. I want you to think of this man who was redeemed, saved by the grace of God, saved by the free and sovereign grace of the Lord, and he became a backslider. Where and when did his backsliding begin? I answer, began in his heart and mind. The moment he disobeyed God's word. The moment he refused to obey the clear-cut command and will of God. Remember what he did? He tried to run away from the presence of the Lord. If he was in gath Hefer at home, then he went quickly to Joppa instead of going to Nineveh. He decided to go in the opposite direction that God wanted him to go. Nineveh was 500 miles away. Nineveh is in northern Iraq, by the way. And he's determined and said in his heart and mind, I'm not going to that place. I'm not going to Nineveh to preach. Those Ninevites, you know what? They, they don't deserve it. And Nineveh, God called them to that place. And he was determined not to go. And, and, and he was living in disobedience to the clear, plain will of God for his life. Maybe he thought, well, I'll be unpopular among the Israelites if I preach there. Maybe he felt, you know, I'm unconcerned about those bunch of heathen Ninevites. They don't deserve the grace and mercy of God. C could I ask tonight this question? Is, is there a Jonah here? Is there someone amongst us who's disobeying the word of God? Disobeying the revealed will of God for you? Maybe you're here and you know in your heart of hearts you're in a backslidden condition. You're running from the word of God, the will of God. You've been disobedient in a number of areas. You've gone back from wholly following the Lord. 
Your, your love for him has been affected. And times of God has come to you in grace and mercy and chastened you, spoke to you. Maybe he's afflicted you. Circumstances have arise that are against you. Things are not working out the way you thought. You see, the amazing thing is this, that the first wave of chastisement against Jonah didn't work. The storm, it had no effect. He, he, he was in the ship. He was in the midst of the storm. What was he doing? He was fast asleep in the bottom of the boat. Maybe you're like that. Maybe in the area of relationship, there's a boy or girl here. And your attitude is you don't care what the Bible says in the matter of boy-girl relationships. And I encourage believers to court and potentially plan to marry only in the Lord. Don't disobey the will of God according to 1 Corinthians 7.39. Don't go outside the will of God in this matter. Only in the Lord. Maybe you're thinking, but I do my own thing. I, I fancy her, you know. Hey, he's a great fella, even though he's not saved. Maybe it's in the area of Sabbath attendance. Maybe it's in the area of drunkenness. Think of young professing Christians getting drunk. Maybe it's in the area of idolatry. You've got an idolater's heart and you're not putting the Lord first. and You've left the Lord out of your life. Maybe it's in the area of lust and you, you have a covetous spirit. Maybe it's in the area of, of unbelief and, and not reading the Bible. Let's ask the question. What did the Lord to do to Jonah? What is the Lord going to do with you? He'll not leave you alone in your backslidden state, I'll tell you that. He'd make you the most unhappy and most miserable creature that ever was. But look at what he did to Jonah. Look how far he had to bring Jonah down. Just to get him to the place where he would pray once again. Jonah was a runaway man. Jonah felt. And Jonah knew that God is displeased with him. Jonah feels that he's cast out of his sight. He says, I am cast out of thy sight. He feels he doesn't deserve mercy. And yet he said, I will look again toward thy holy temple. In other words, he prayed out of the whale's belly. And let me just add this little thought. The story about Jonah and the whale is real. Don't ridicule it. Don't say it's a legend. Don't say it's myth. Did you know that a man in, called James Bartley in 1891, he uh, fell overboard and he was swallowed by a whale and he was in the whale's belly two days and two nights. It took him two weeks to recover. And whenever he recovered, his hair was bleached, his face was bleached, and so was his hands. And yet he lived just a normal life after that, although he bare that bleaching marks in his body. You can Google it. James Bartley, you call him. Another man, uh, Marshall Jenkins, in October 1771, in a whaling ship, the, the, the ship was hit by a whale, and he fell overboard. He was also swallowed by the whale. The whale was eventually harpooned, and whenever they cut the whale open... He was alive in the belly of the whale. You see, this is historical. This is real. And if this could happen in our day, centuries past, then I believe the Bible. Jonah was a runaway man. Very quickly, Jonah was a repentant man. Let me just go through these four things to you, or five things. He was honest. He told God where he was. What he felt in his soul. You can read that from verses 3 through to 6. You see, often we're dishonest with God. We overlook sin so easily. We overlook our circumstances and providence that God brings into our life. 
we, we overlook that God has denied some particular request. And then we get mad and angry. We blame God. Jonah didn't attempt to explain what happened to him. He acknowledged his sin. He acknowledged his misery. He acknowledged that the condition was really his fault. He told the sailors who he was. That he had caused the storm. Not caused by circumstances. Not caused by the sailors and their inexperience. It was caused by God because of Jonah's sin. He talked about God's waves and and God's billows. Not only was he honest, but he was sorry. Like the psalmist, he said, For I will declare mine iniquity, and I will be sorry for my sin. In other words, it's my fault. Jonah was made sorry for his sin. I I deserve all that happened. Listen to verse 8. They that forsake lying vanities forsake their own mercy. Jonah realizes what takes place in his life. What's going on in his heart. He he, he turns to God rather than from God. He's no longer running from God. He's running to God. It shows that he's truly sorry. Did you know that he quoted the scriptures? He knew his Bible. He had a great knowledge of the word of God. The Bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There's at least 10 references in this prayer from the book of Psalms. See, true faith loves the word of God. And Jonah was a penitent man in the whale's belly. And he's been honest with God. He's truly sorry. And he's quoting the scriptures again. And let me tell you something else. He took the place as a sinner before God. If you look with me at chapter 1 verse 16. It says, then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. Think of the sacrifice of the sailors. The sailors were taught how to approach God. Jonah remembered how to approach God again. There was need for a voluntary sacrifice. And Jonah became... A sacrifice for sin to appease the wrath of God. The storm was all about God's wrath. It was possible these sailors would lose their life. So so Jonah said, I'll give my life for the sailors. Don't let them die. Throw me overboard and let me die in their place. He says in this prayer, "I I will pay what I have vowed. You see, it's a serious thing to vow. Jonah didn't let pride get in his way. Jonah didn't allow the anger in his heart and the misery that he felt. He took the sinner's place before God. He he, he thought of the the blood of an innocent sacrifice. Lord, I can't let these sailors die. I'm prepared to die for them. And then there was thankfulness. Here he is in the whale's belly. And listen to what he says. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. What was he thankful for? Physical blessings. God has spared his life in the whale's belly. Spiritual blessings. God delivered him. God saved him. It was God at work in his life. You see, as I said in the Bible study on Wednesday night, the the book of Jonah is not just about Jonah being swallowed by the whale. It's all about a great God who took steps 
to restore a runaway servant. And my fifth thought was this. He was restored, man. Remember tonight that God is married to the backslider. Here he is praying to the Lord in a backslidden state. Praying out of the whale's belly. But at least he prayed. And what do we read? And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. You're alive tonight by the grace and mercy of God. I ask this, are you redeemed by the precious blood? Was there a time in your life you became a believer? Let me ask tonight, are you living the life of a backslider? Have you ever been brought to the place where you're honest to say, Lord, I've sinned against you? Are you truly sorry? Can you quote the scriptures and call in the name of the Lord? Will you take the sinner's place again and look to Christ and ask for the fresh cleansing of the blood? Will you give thankfulness to the Lord who showed mercy to you to this point that you might be restored to the life of usefulness once again? Jonah's prayer is all about the restoration of a backslidden man. And I trust tonight that the Lord will apply his word in a real and definite way to any amongst us that is out of sorts with the Lord.